1 Samuel 30. When David and his men had come to Ziklag on the third day, the Amalekites had made a raid on the south and on Ziklag, and had struck Ziklag and burned it with fire, and had taken captive the women and all who were in it, both small and great. They didn't kill any, but carried them off and went their way. When David and his men came to the city, behold, it was burned with fire, and their wives, their sons, and their daughters were taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. David's two wives were taken captive, Ahinoam the Jezreelitess and Abigail the wife of Nabal the Carmelite. David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because the souls of all the people were grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David strengthened himself in Yahweh his God. David said to Abiathar the priest, the son of Ahimelech, Please bring the ephod here to me. Abiathar brought the ephod to David. David inquired of Yahweh, saying, If I pursue after this troop, will I overtake them? He answered, Pursue, for you will surely overtake them, and will without fail recover all. So David went, he and the six hundred men who were with him, and came to the brook Besor, where those who were left behind stayed. But David pursued, he and four hundred men, for two hundred stayed behind who were so faint that they couldn't go over the brook Besor. They found an Egyptian in the field, and brought him to David and gave him bread, and he ate, and they gave him water to drink. They gave him a piece of cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. When he had eaten, his spirit came again to him, for he had eaten no bread and drank no water for three days and three nights. David asked him, To whom do you belong? Where are you from? He said, I am a young man of Egypt, servant to an Amalekite, and my master left me, because three days ago I got sick. We made a raid on the south of the Kerithites, and on that which belongs to Judah, and on the south of Caleb, and we burned Ziklag with fire. David said to him, Will you bring me down to this troop? He said, Swear to me by God that you will not kill me, and not deliver me up into the hands of my master, and I will bring you down to this troop. When he had brought him down, behold, they were spread around over all the ground, eating, drinking, and dancing, because of all the great plunder that they had taken out of the land of the Philistines and out of the land of Judah. David struck them from twilight even to the evening of the next day. Not a man of them escaped from there, except 400 young men who rode on camels and fled. David recovered all that the Amalekites had taken, and David rescued his two wives. There was nothing lacking to them, neither small nor great, neither sons nor daughters, neither plunder nor anything that had been taken. David brought them all back. David took all the flocks and the herds, which they drove before those other livestock, and said, This is David's plunder. David came to the 200 men who were so faint that they could not follow David, whom also they had made to stay at the brook Besor, and they went out to meet David and to meet the people who were with him. When David came near to the people, he greeted them. Then all of the wicked men and worthless fellows of those who went with David answered, and said, Because they didn't go with us, we will not give them anything of the plunder that we have recovered, except to each man his wife and his children, that he may lead them away and depart. Then David said, Do not do so, my brothers, for that which Yahweh has given to us, 
who has preserved us and delivered the troop that came against us into our hand. Who will listen to you in this matter? For as his share who goes down to the battle, so shall be his share who stayed with the baggage. They shall share alike. And it was so from that day forward that he made it a statute and an ordinance for Israel to this day. When David came to Ziklag, he sent some of the plunder to the elders of Judah, even to his friends, saying, Behold, a present for you from the plunder of Yahweh's enemies. He sent it to those who were in Bethel, to those who were in Ramoth of the south, and to those who were in Jatia, and to those who were in Aroah, and to those who were in Sifmoth, and to those who were in Eshtemoah, to those who were in Rakal, and to those who were in the cities of the Jerahamelites, to those who were in the cities of the Kenites, to those who were in Hormah, to those who were in Borashan, to those who were in Athak, to those who were in Hebron, and to all the places where David himself and his men used to stay. That's a lot of plunder to share out with a lot of places. Wow. So, um, in this chapter, the Philistines didn't want David and his men around. <laughs> they wanted them out of there. So they go back to Ziklag, and when they get back there, they find out that the city has been burned with fire and everything's been taken captive. Now, interestingly, the city of, uh, or the town of um, Ziklag uh, was excavated in 2015. Now, they didn't even know that it was Ziklag until 2019, but it was only just earlier this year that it hit the news. And there were all these articles about, uh, could this be Ziklag? And lots of other uh, interesting articles in, you know, not just biblical archaeological uh, websites, but all websites. And so you can go and, and read about that. And this town that they've discovered has a burn layer in it, in the archaeology. So it's, and it's in the area, so they're pretty sure they've got the right one. And there's some very interesting photos that you can see online. And um, when, when the Amalekites attacked Ziklag, they took everyone, all the women, all the children, they didn't kill anyone, and they took them away, but then they burned the city to the ground. But you remember a few chapters before that when David attacked cities in the south, he killed everyone. So there's a big difference here. Some commentators said that David was not merciful like the Amalekites, but that's rubbish. What actually happened here was that the Amalek David was actually doing what the Lord commanded in the book of Deuteronomy, but the Amalekites were taking them to the slave market. <laughs> so they were going south to Egypt where the slaves mar slave markets were. And so the Amalekites were only thinking of their pocket. Um, normally when you would, people would raid, like in, in ancient times, when people would raid, they didn't want to kill everyone. They, I mean, they might have wanted to kill the men or the soldiers if there were any, but they didn't want to kill the women and the children because they were, they were worth something. Um, women could be sold um, you know, as slaves. Children could be sold as slaves. Unmarried women could be taken as wives or added to a, you know, as a concubine or, you know, there were lots of things. They, they didn't want to kill everyone. David only did it because the, the Lord said to do it in the book of Deuteronomy. And so um, David and, uh, you know, he, his men, they're so upset, it says they wept until they could weep no more. Now, you can't imagine a situation worse than this. Just imagine right now that you return home after work one day and your house is burnt to the ground and your family's been kidnapped. 
And it's a lot worse than that because David's got 600 men and it's happened to all of them and the 600 men are talking of stoning him. So it's all David's fault. But the truth is, it was the mercy of God that sent them back from the battle. They didn't have to participate. They would, If the Lord hadn't done that in chapter 29, by the time they got home, there would have been no recovering their families. Their families would have already been down to Egypt and they'd have been sold and God split up and gone everywhere. It's the mercy of God. And it's also the mercy of God that David and his men are able to go and recover all their families and recover a huge amount of plunder and wealth like you cannot believe, so much so that he's able to send a gift to all these cities in the southern part of Judah, like cities, we just listed off heaps of them. David sent gifts everywhere. So the amount of plunder was huge. So the Lord turns what the devil has stolen into something hugely wonderful, a great, great blessing. Now, some of the commentators I've listened to thought that these Amalekites went north because, um, because in the, later on in 2 Samuel, there's an Amalekite that comes down from the north and claims to have killed Saul. We'll get to that in 1 Samuel chapter 1. But they think that these Amalekites must have gone north and that that bloke was one of them. But it's not true. The brook Besor, where these 200 men stayed, was actually about 30 kilometers south of Ziklag. So I did my trusty old measuring on Google Maps and uh, measured from Ziklag down to the brook Besor. No, sorry, not 30, 20.2 kilometers. And um, so these men, by the way, they were exhausted before they started that journey. Like you or I could probably walk 20 kilometers and at the end of a 20 kilometer walk, We'd be tired, but we wouldn't be so tired we couldn't continue. We could continue. But these men were so completely exhausted they just couldn't put one foot in front of another they had to stop. They stop at the Brook Besor, which is south. It's on the way to Egypt, and that's where the slave markets were. And I looked up the Brook Besor, and, and that Besor River, Nahal Besor in Israel, is an amazing river. And it's in the desert, or in the wilderness, what they call the Negev, and it's the last river before you, you know, on your way to Egypt. And it's a fabulous little spot. Someone's built a swinging bridge that goes across. And that's an interesting little site. And a lot of tourists go there and there's wildlife and wildflowers and native birds. It looks like a cool place that's worth visiting. And uh, I, if you ever get to Israel, I, I think it's one of the places to go see. The Brook Besor. So we, we put ourselves into this story as David. We imagine that you know he's lost his family lost his wife, everyone wants to stone him. And it's at that point you could feel like giving up, but he inquires of the Lord. And this is what makes him so different to just about everyone else in, the, in, in all these stories. Is that he, it doesn't matter what happens, he turns to the Lord. And it's a wonderful, wonderful example of what we should do. And, but if you're gonna put yourself into the story, put yourself into the story as one of the women or one of the children, because. <laughs> That would have been tough. And I bet you they were crying out to the Lord too. Lord, help. And uh, the Lord is just so gracious. Um, one of the commentators I was reading is a modern guy, David Guzik. And his commentary is called the Enduring Word Commentary. It's online and it's free. And he says a lot of good things. And he had some comments to make about this chapter. He said that in this chapter... David is like Jesus Christ in five ways. 
and I'm gonna list them to, to you right here. There's five different groups of people, and we are like the, five, uh, the groups of people, but David is like Christ in all the five ways. He says, we are like David's men, but David is like Jesus. And think about that's true, because we are the ones, we're following Jesus, but when things go wrong, we tend to complain, whereas Christ is not like that. We are the weary soldiers that are left behind at the Brook Besor, but David is like Jesus. You know, when we get so tired and we cannot continue on, Christ is, <laughs> continues on. He never gives up. We are like the Egyptian slave, but David is like Jesus. When David saw that Egyptian slave, uh, he fed him. He cared for him. He restored him. That's us. That's what Christ does for us. We are like the spoil that David recovered, but David is like Jesus. So we are plunder that the enemy took, but Jesus came and took us back. You know, we're like the women and the children that have been taken captive by the devil, but the Lord came and retrieved us. And we are also like the elders of Judah, but David is like Jesus. You know, the elders of Judah didn't do anything in the story except that David gave them gifts. And the Lord Jesus Christ gives us gifts all the time, even though we are not deserving of them at all. The Lord is so kind, so gracious, you can't believe it. And, and, and the more that you think of David, you should think of him as a type of Christ in all the stories that we go through. There's so many times he acts in a different way to what you would naturally expect. And Jesus Christ is exactly like that. And, and if you want to set your eyes, when you're reading the story of David, set your eyes on Christ. Because that's who you're really looking at here in the book of First and Second Samuel. Lord, we want to set our eyes on Christ. I want to thank you that, that, that David is a picture to us of Jesus Christ who is so different to everything else. And I pray, Lord, that we would not fall into the trap of grumbling and complaining, Lord, like those wicked men. And thank you, Lord, that when we're weary, you sustain us. I thank you, Lord, that, that you share your rewards with us even though we don't deserve them. I thank you, Lord, for your graciousness and the blessing that comes to us because of Jesus Christ. And I thank you, Lord, that you say that, uh, that if anyone believes that you exist, that you reward him. Thank you for your words to us in, in Hebrews 11. So, Lord, we come to you with eyes of faith. Lord, bless us. Bless your people today. In Jesus' name, amen.